All right, you should have your outline and pens are available there if you if you need one. And open your Bibles to Genesis, the 31st chapter. We're making our way through Genesis. We're at chapter 31. Jacob leaves Laban. And I'm optimistic, reasonably, that we might get through this chapter today. And so we will, we will see. But I'm glad you're here and hope that uh, you're having a great day. Remember, uh, we will meet the next uh, two weeks after today. We'll meet the, what's today, the 5th? We'll meet the 12th and the 19th. And then break for two weeks and pick back up again on January 9th. So please plan to be here. I think we've got the next two or three times some little extra special menus for the season. So um, come and enjoy the excellent foods. Always good, but you know, might kick in a little extra the next couple of times for Christmas. And so hope that hope that you'll plan to be here. Father, thank you for this uh, good day. It's a beautiful day. We're, we're so very, very thankful for your love for us. We thank you for the joy and the privilege of the fellowship that we've had around the tables and use the food to strengthen us, uh, use the fellowship to strengthen us, and then use your word to strengthen us today. I pray that you'll speak to us from Genesis. Thank you that we have this privilege of studying the first book of the Bible, and I pray that our, our time together will be profitable today for each of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, uh, let me just say three things about this particular chapter. Uh, Jacob leaves Laban. There, there are three major things to notice in chapter 31 as we, as we make our way through, uh, as Jacob escapes from Laban. And the three things are uh, God did it. God orchestrates this. He is at work in getting Jacob out of Mesopotamia. And uh, he's at work in Jacob's life. And you can really begin to see that as this 31st chapter unfolds. Uh, and so that leads to the second thing. Jacob is growing spiritually. He is really growing spiritually. And you can begin to see it as you read the verses of chapter 31. Then the third thing is God is keeping his word. God promised, I'm going to make of you a great nation. Made that promise to Abraham, to Isaac, now to Jacob. And God is keeping his word. He is creating a people called Israel, chosen by him. And in fact, we are almost at that point, almost, it'll be the next chapter, almost where the name Israel will be introduced into the scripture. So let's look at the first 16 verses of chapter 31. As I've entitled this part, Jacob convinces his wives. Jacob's not an easy thing to do under almost any circumstance, but Jake, Jacob convinces his wives and let's read about it. Verse one of chapter 31, Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. Now that's not true, but Jacob is prospering and they are resentful. Verse 2, and Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude toward him was not what it had been. Jacob could sense it in the way that Laban related to him. We continue, verse 3, then the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. It's important for Jacob to know that. I will be with you. 
So Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out to the fields where his flocks were. Why did he do that? He did not want anyone to overhear their conversation. So he invites them out to the fields. And when they arrived, he said to them, verse 5, I see that your father's attitude toward me is not what it was before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said, the speckled ones will be your wages, and all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said, the streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. Notice how many times God, how many times God's name is used in these verses over and over and over again. You're seeing the spiritual growth and maturity of Jacob. You're seeing the hand of God working and orchestrating and moving in Jacob's life and that of his family. And Jacob is acknowledging that and so will Leah and Rachel. Verse 10, in breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled, or spotted. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, or spotted, for I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. And that, that somehow reassuring is that sometimes we go through tough times and we think God doesn't know he's not paying attention he doesn't know what's going on in my life or, or surely he would do something well the truth of the matter is he knows and he knew what was happening to Jacob and his family to his wives and so here is the angel saying to, to, to Jacob God knows he has seen everything that's happening you at the hands of Laban, or God has seen. So he tells Jacob that. Verse 13, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Then Rachel and Leah replied, do we still have any share in the inheritance of our father's estate? Does he not regard us as foreigners? Not only has he sold us, but he has used up what was paid for us. Surely all the wealth that God took away from our father belongs to us and our children. So do whatever God has told you. But the, the issue here about the money is that, is that the money that came to Laban from Jacob for the, for the wives, for Laban's daughters, much of that was to be held, we might say held in escrow in case it was needed in the future by Rachel or by Leah. But Laban had spent it all. He had just... Spend it all, and the girls knew it, and they resented it, and they resented what they had seen as their father taking advantage of their husband Jacob. They were well aware of it, and, and so you know sometimes you, you you with fear and trepidation want to criticize your father-in-law or your or your, or your mother-in-law before your wife. You want to be careful about that, and that can work the other way too, ladies. So I uh, want to be careful about that. But Jacob was fully confident that Leah and Rachel both knew the score and he could just remind them of the way they had been treated and that they, they would not protest, they would not say, how dare you talk about our father like that. They knew what kind of man he was and they were clearly on the side of their husband Jacob. 
uh, in, in this matter. So let's stop there for a moment as Jacob convinces his wives. Laban's mood, according to verse 1 and 2, has turned ugly. So this does not bode well for Jacob. Uh, he hears God's voice and obeys immediately, according to verses 1 and 2 and 3. Now, in verses 4 through 16, Jacob and his wives will reference God by name seven times. You, you probably caught that as we read those verses. Seven times. Acknowledging God, thanking God, acknowledging that God is moving and that God's in control. And, and they do so because God is working and controls the factors leading to their decision to run. Because that's their decision. We're going to run. We're going to run away. Jacob's, Jacob lays it all out. Laban is controlling. He's sinister. He's unfair. And God is at work and is blessing Jacob and his family. And it's become obvious to Jacob and Leah and Rachel. It's obvious to Laban. It's obvious to the sons of Laban. And so this is not going to continue in the same direction much longer without something very bad happening. Most likely violence. And so Jacob lays it all out. God is at work. He's blessing. And so here's what we need to do. And the wives see it. They know it. Uh, they know that Laban, especially Rachel and Leah, know him very, very well. Uh, he has gotten rich off of Jacob. His sons are resentful, not because they're in the poorhouse. Believe me, Laban was wealthy. Those boys were just fine. They had everything they could ever need if they didn't squander it. But they're resentful because Jacob has even more. And so even though they're rich, they want to be richer. They would like to have what Jacob has. And so they, they uh, talk about how Jacob has been unfair to their father when all along it's been just the opposite. Laban's been the one that's been unfair to Jacob. And yet God has prospered Jacob. God has done it. Laban didn't do it. Jacob didn't do it. Jacob couldn't orchestrate all that we read about there, the birth of the, the colors of the skin of those sheep and goats. God had to do that. And God did do it. And Jacob recognizes it. And so do Rachel and Leah. Laban has gotten rich off of Jacob and his labor and his watch care over his flocks. And now that Jacob is prospering even more than Laban, Laban is angry. His sons are upset. They talk to him. He gets more upset and angry. And so you can just know if things keep going in this direction, something's going to happen. So um, the girls, Leah and Rachel, say our father has lied and he's cheated and he's stolen. So let's go for it, Jacob. We're with you. In other words, you ready to run? We're with you. We'll go. Let's, let's get out of here. Leah and Rachel agree. There's an astonishment. Uh, that hadn't happened in a while, maybe since they were little girls, but they agree on this one. Let's go. We need, we need to leave. So we come to verse 17, and let's read about what happens next. Uh, I've entitled this section, verse 17 through 21, 
the flight. Verse 17. Then Jacob put his children and his wives on camels, and he drove all his livestock ahead of him, along with all the goods he had accumulated in Paddan Aram, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. After 20 years, he's going home. When Laban had gone to shear his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household gods. Moreover, Jacob deceived Laban, the Aramean, by not telling him he was running away. So he fled with all he had, crossed the Euphrates River, well, we've heard of that river, haven't we? And headed for the hill country of Gilead. So let's stop there for a moment. This is a secret plan that uh, Jacob has made with Leah and with Rachel. And while Laban and his men are away shearing the sheep, they go out some distance away to shear the sheep. An, an annual event that takes a long time and you get away from where you live, get away from all that dust and hair flying all over the place. So you get all the sheep away, you shear them and you come back home. And um, most of the commentaries that I read said, based on what it appears to be the number of sheep that Laban had, this would have been a four, five or six day event. So they would have camped out and done the sheep shearing and gathered all that up and brought it brought it back. So Jacob knows they're going to be away a while. Here's our chance to run because Laban and his sons are, are gone and their men with them. They're all busy doing the shearing. So this is our opportunity uh, to take off. And so you'll notice the teamwork here with uh, Rachel and Jacob. Uh, the term, by the way, the term Laban the Aramean is a term of contempt. That's a term of contempt. For, for Laban. Now Rachel did not tell Jacob that she took the gods of Laban. Why did she do that? Uh, it isn't that Rachel believed in the gods of Laban. I think it is a measure of uh, revenge on her father for his actions. And maybe also a thought that we can cash these in for a little bit of money when we get out of here. I, you know, I, You'd have to add something. You can ask her why she did it. But uh, she now, it's clear now that Rachel holds her father in contempt. Uh, so I want you to think back all the way to the well where Rachel met Jacob. And from that moment forward, the intent of Jacob had been... You're the one I love. You're the one I want to spend the rest of my life with. Rachel was all in on that. She loved Jacob. And so what messed up the plan? Wasn't Rachel. Laban messed up the plan. And used Leah to do it. And so it's understandable that Rachel would think about all that. Plus the fact that Jacob had been mistreated through the years, lied to, stolen from by her dad. So it, it is not too surprising, I, I, I would think, that Rachel would, in this final act of vengeance, take the gods of her father Laban. Um, we said last week, Rachel and Jacob and Leah 
are God followers, Laban is not. Laban is not. He is an idol worshiper. So she takes his idols and that will, uh, I assure you, upset him greatly when he discovers it. So all the while, all this is going on, and over the last several years, the people of Jacob are forming. What God had said is coming true. The family's getting bigger. The sheep and the livestock are getting bigger and more and more and more numerous. God is in control. He's doing exactly what he promised to do, and we see it unfolding before our eyes. So they are, this family is soon to be known, not as the people of Jacob, but the people of Israel. So, and, and so they are known to this day um, as, as the people of Israel. Okay, so the plan is enacted, and away they go. Well, as you might suspect, somebody is going to see what's happening and they're going to go out into the fields and tell Laban. And so that happened. Verse 22. On the third day, Laban was told that Jacob had fled. Taking his relatives with him, he pursued Jacob for seven days and caught up with him in the hill country of Gilead. There is a balm in Gilead. You remember singing that song? We hadn't sung that in a long time. Then God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream at night and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And we'll see the outcome of that momentarily. Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country of Gilead when Laban overtook him. That's not surprising because Laban is traveling only with his men. In pursuit, whereas um, Jacob has all these uh, all the livestock and cattle, and they just aren't moving too fast. So, even with a three-day head start, it's not surprising that Laban would eventually catch him. And so uh, it says Laban overtook him, and Laban and his relatives camped there too. Now, don't miss the don't misunderstand the picture. Laban's folks didn't come in and put their tent up right next to Jacob's and his family and say, hi, neighbor. <laughs> now, they could see each other, but they were at a distance because this is going to be mayhem. I mean, this is going to be war. That's, that's Laban's. Laban's not chasing Jacob just to say goodbye. He's, he's planning to kill him. That, that's his plan, and to get all this all these animals and take them back for himself. Okay, well, they're there. And verse 26 says, Then Laban said to Jacob, What have you done? You've deceived me, and you've carried off my daughters like captives in war. Now, I want you to notice, you know, if you just read this on the surface, you can begin to get a little tenderhearted about Laban and say, Oh, poor Laban. Jacob took his grandbabies away. Didn't even let him kiss them goodbye. Don't, don't fall for that. Okay. Laban's, Laban is not worthy of your compassion. All right. Verse 27. Why did you run off secretly and deceive me? Why didn't you tell me so I could keep you from going? Oh, no, that's not what he said. So I could send you away with joy and singing to the music of timbrels and harps. You've got to be kidding me. All right. Verse 28. 
You didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters goodbye. I mean, those of us who are fathers or grandfathers think, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing, Jacob? At least let the man kiss his girls goodbye. You have done a foolish thing, Laban said to Jacob. I have the power to harm you. But last night, the God of your father, did you catch that? And say, my God, my father, he said, the God of your father said to me, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Now, you have gone off because you long to return to your father's household, but why did you steal my gods? That's the first Jacob heard of that. All right, uh, verse 31, Jacob answered Laban, I was afraid because I thought you would take your daughters away from me by force. But if you find anyone who has your gods, that person shall not live. Gulp. In the presence of our relatives, see for yourself whether there is anything of yours here with me. And if so, take it. Now, Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the gods. So a little drama, more than already exists, has been added to this scene. Now, three more verses, and then we'll stop and talk about them. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two female servants, but he found nothing. After he came out of Leah's tent, he entered Rachel's tent. Now, drum roll, the drama's building. Now, Rachel had taken the household gods and put them inside her camel's saddle and was sitting on them. <laughs> Laban searched through everything in the tent and found nothing. Now, take a deep breath, verse 35. Rachel said to her father, don't be angry, my Lord, that I cannot stand up in your presence. I'm having my period. The Bible just right out there, just throws it right out there. Okay. So he searched, but he could not find the household gods. All right, we'll stop there. Laban finds out that Jacob and the family have run away, and he pursues Jacob with his pseudo-army. Um, and uses, the scripture uses military terms, Hebraic military terms, pursued, caught up, overtook, pitched his tent, and camped. Those are all military terms, and that's what the scripture talks about because that's what Laban intended. This is going to be a military action in which I'm going to prevail and Jacob is not. That, that was his intent. He's angry, he's hostile, he's intending violence, but God, don't you like how often we get to use that conjunction, but, but God, things are going one way, but God, and everything changes. So here we go, but God intervenes in a dream to Laban. Now Laban's speech to Jacob is the speech of a buffoon. Throw a party? Really? Uh, the wounded father? Really? It's ridiculous. He would never have allowed their departure, ever. And he says, I can hurt you. But God said not to do that. Uh, then he throws in the real climactic moment when he says, Why did you steal my gods? Why did you take my gods? Jacob doesn't know what Rachel's done, so he indignantly challenges Laban to search. And he does. Laban goes through the tents one by one, comes to Rachel's, and he searches, 
He does not ask her to get up, at least not yet. And she then says, while she didn't get up in the presence of her father, which would have been the honorable thing to do, whether he deserved it or not, would have been the honorable thing to do. But she tells him, can't get up, Dad, having my period, so I'm just going to stay, I'm stay right here. Now, without being too graphic, can you see the final indignity and insult to Laban's non-existent gods? Can you see it? Laban cannot imagine that Rachel would sit on his gods and drench them in her blood. But that's what she does. And she is really expressing, expressing withering contempt for his worthless, lifeless gods and indirectly for her father. All right, verse 36. Jacob was angry. There's a lot of anger going on here. Jacob was angry and took Laban to task. What is my crime? He asked Laban. How have I wronged you that you hunt me down? Now that I, you have searched through all my goods, what have you found that belongs to your household? Put it here in front of your relatives and mine and let them judge between the two of us. So here we pierce into the darkness and we see the real reason Laban pursues Jacob is what? Those worthless non-existent gods. Now I say worthless, not that Jacob couldn't get some good money for them, but that they are lifeless, they're not real, they're worthless. And so the, the truth is coming out. It wasn't love of daughter, daughters. It was materialism that drove Laban to recapture his gods and also to get some sheep and goats to take back home. Okay. Now that you've, uh, so he says, Jacob says, what have you found? Just lay it out here and show everybody. Laban doesn't have anything to show. I, now, now watch everything that's been bottled up inside of Jacob for 20 years now comes out. Okay. I have been with you for 20 years now. Your sheep and goats have not miscarried. Nor have I eaten rams from your flocks. I did not bring your, you, I did not bring you animals torn by wild beasts. I bore the loss myself and you demanded payment from me for whatever was stolen by day or night. This was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime and the cold at night and sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for 20 years I was in your household. I worked for you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks and you changed my wages 10 times. Why don't you say what you're really thinking, Jacob? All right. Verse 42. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands. And last night he rebuke you. Okay. So this is Jacob's withering response to Laban. Jacob's pent up anger for all this happened over 20 years comes bubbling out and he gives a tongue lashing to his father-in-law. 
I have been faithful and you have been dishonest. If you want to just sum it up. The God of Jacob stands over the gods of Laban in this moment. All right, let's look at verse 43 to 55. I'm not sure we'll get through them, but I'm going to make a stab at it. Verse 43. Laban answered Jacob. The women are my daughters. The children are my children. I mean, he's coming back. This is, you know, never ending. Uh, have you ever been to the Middle East? Have you ever seen people argue? It, it is, it is, it's all hands and arms. I mean, they'll be talking, it's all, you know, most, we'll stand here and talk to somebody. We'll have our arms by our side. We'll flesh with them. But not, not there. It's all hands and arms. So there's all kinds of gesturing going on. As Laban and Jacob go back and forth. So I guarantee you it was quite quite the scene. And, and so Jake, Laban just having been tongue lashed by Jacob. Comes back and says the women are my daughters. The children are my children. And the flocks are my flocks. All you see is mine. <laughs> Yet what can I do about it? <laughs> what can I do today about these daughters of mine. Or about the children they have born. Come now, let's make a covenant, you and I, and let it serve as a witness between us. So Jacob took a stone and set it as a pillar. He said to his relatives, gather some stones. So they took some stones and piled them up in a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Laban called it Jagar Sahu Sahadutha, and Jacob called it Galib, both uh, meaning witness or heap. Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me today. That is why it is called Galim. It was also called Mitzpah, which means watchtower. It was, it, it, because he said, may the Lord keep watch between you and me when we are away from each other. Now make a note of verse 49 in your mind. We're going to come back to it in a moment. Verse 50, if you mistreat my daughters... Or if you take any wives besides my daughters, even though no one is with us, remember that God is a witness between you and me. Laban also said to Jacob, here is this heap and here is this pillar I have set up between you and me. This heap is a witness and this pillar is a witness that I will not go past this heap to your side to harm you and that you will not go past this heap and pillar to my, to my side to harm me. May the God of Abraham and the God of Nahor and the God of their father, their father, judge between us. So Jacob took an oath in the name of the fear of his father, Isaac. He offered a sacrifice there in the hill country and invited his relatives to a meal. After they had eaten, they spent the night there. And early the next morning, Laban kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. And then he left and returned home. And all I can say is good riddance. So, no, that's not the Bible. That was what I... So here's a non-aggression pact formed by Laban and Jacob. Laban's been exposed as a cheat, so he now tries to cover all that with bluster, legal fiction, filial posturing, and feigned benevolence. The three things that we see uh, that we see here: legal lies, legal fiction. But what can I do? He says. So he's benevolent. I'm not going to hurt you. When God said, "Don't do anything to you," so I'm not going to do anything to you. So let's have a let's have a treaty because I love my babies. And no, he doesn't. But anyway, Jacob Jacob didn't need a treaty. 
Jacob didn't need a treaty. God's protecting him. He doesn't need a treaty. But if it'll keep Laban happy and get him out of my hair, then I'll make a treaty with him. So the treaty's made. The stone pillars serve as a, as a witness. They, they uh, offered a sacrifice and had dinner together, slept, and then Laban leaves. And Jacob clearly is giving glory to God for all of this. Now, let me finish with this. I'm over time already. Laban kisses and blesses his daughters and grandchildren who he had sought to use. And, and so when I read that, if I didn't know the context, there would be, as a grandfather and a father, there would be a sad lump in my throat because he likely will never see any of them again. So it's like kissing his daughters and granddaughters. This is it. I will never see you again. Now, that will get a lump in your throat. But I want you to go back to 3149 for just one moment. 3149. Um, this sounds like a benediction. Benediction is a blessing, a good blessing. May the Lord keep watch between you and me when we are away from each other. But do you know in the context what that really is? It's a, it's a malediction. It means you stay away from me and I will stay away from you because I can't stand you. That's really what it is. It's not a benediction. It's a malediction. Now remember, and this with this we're done. God did it. He's at work. Jacob is growing spiritually and God is keeping his word and creating a people. That's the summary of all that happened in chapter 31. Now next time, chapter 32, Jacob prepares to meet Esau. It's one drama after another, isn't it? What? mood was Esau in the last time we saw him. I will kill him. So is he going to? It looks like it. But what happens? We'll find out. Father, bless us as we leave this place. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. We love you and adore you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.